Welcome to the Swim Swim Breakdown. As always, I'm your host, Coleman Hodges, coming to you from across the pond. I am currently in Loughborough, England at Loughborough University. Got to do some filming with their high-performance group this week. Uh, got an update on the Adam Peaty situation. That is that he was not at the pool. He's been in the gym, but he's not swimming right now. He's in a boot. Talked to his coach, Mel Marshall, going to do some filming with her when we go to Barcelona tomorrow for the Marin Ostrom stop there. So stay tuned. Joining us today, Swim Swim editor and Ke- <laughs> Swim Swim editor in chief, Braden Keith from Philadelphia. You can, you can Pennsylvania. call me the editor in chief. I like that. <laughs> <Editor and> Keith <laughs> and, and Swim Swim senior international reporter, Loretta Race. I can't talk today. I'm sorry. Uh, this jet lag is real. <laughs> Loretta is at French 75 Boutique in Kentucky. Let's talk about swimming. There was, there was a lot of good stuff this week highlighted by the Australian trials, Australian world, uh, sorry, Australian championships, world championship trials. Iron Titmus broke Katie Ledecky's world record. There it is. 356, <laughs> four zero. I don't, we, I certainly didn't see this coming. Um, what was you guys' instant reaction to this world record? Well, my, my instant reaction was uh, how Loretta was last week telling me that she thought Mari Nostrum was going to be the better meet and that our, our uh, Australian trials were going to be kind of a bust. All right, all right, all right. I admit it. I said that. It moving out. on, moving on. <laughs> um, <laughs> So, you know, it's a, it's a huge swim. I didn't expect that. She said uh, post-race that she was rested for. We don't know if rested means full tapered. Whatever it means, a world record is a world record. Um, you know, I remember we were talking a couple weeks ago, Coleman, about whether Ledecky's world records in the 800 and the 1500 were attainable or not. Um, and I think this has to say, as crazy and otherworldly as Ledecky is, the the talent just keeps getting better and better in the sport, which we talk about over and over again. And it seems like somebody can catch them. Um, you know, the 400, I think, was probably always the first one that was going to go down because we had so many swimmers just kind of knocking on the door of 400401, 400-401, especially at really young ages. Um, so I think the 800 and the 1500 will survive a little longer. There's probably not an active swimmer who will get them. Um, but I don't think it's going to be like Janet Evans's records where they're going to last for 20 years. Yeah. So when Ariane did the 200 free and she was 153, I was like, Oh, okay. Something special is totally going to happen. Okay. And then her split or 200 split of this 400 is 156.99. Like that's just totally insane. So just would have made the U.S. relay for worlds. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So Second. totally incredible. Second. Yes. So totally incredible. But I do, I do agree with Braden that the 800 and 1500 are farther out of reach. Like I looked at some of the times that people have been putting up recently and like China's Wang Jianjia, he has been 81464 in 2019. That's way off the 80479 world record. And then even like Ledecky was 1535 in Tokyo, way off 152048. So, you know, Whereas Titmus was knocking on the door, like you said, she was 356.69, 356.90. So I think the 400 is kind of its own animal. And then the 800 and 1500 is like, it's going to be a while, people. Every time I hear that 804, I'm just kind of like, that can't be right. And I have right. to go check it <laughs> because yeah. I, I like, I, I want to believe that it's wrong because it's such a video game time. 
<laughs> it's really interesting that it seems like in the past few years, honestly, right, since Ariane beat Ledecky at this 2019 World Champs in the 400, it seems like Ledecky's kind of leaning more towards the focus on the 800, 1500, right? Whereas Ariane is kind of that strict middle distance of the 248, doesn't really ever swim the 1500. Um, right. I'm really interested to see what Ledecky can throw down in those distance events after a year at Florida. Um, but I also think it's interesting that Ariane said she was rested for this meet, which I think is a good strategy, right? Because we all know that the Australians swim really fast in their home country, but it's like with, with that big international schedule coming up or just, you know, a Commonwealth games that isn't crazy big, but still a big emphasis. It's like you get a good home performance and see where you're at. And then you get the international meet which might have more variables, obviously. Um, and you still, that's still the focus, but you, you know, obviously at home, there's less to worry about. So. And we see this more and more, it. more and more lately with swimmers swimming fast more often And the Commonwealth games are still a ways away. So it's, it's kind of a logical in a, in a logical cycle pattern, you know, ignoring the Ryan Lochte two-year taper cycle sort of ideas that, that we used to live and die by. Um, it's sort of a logical point to have a rest meet, even if she's not going to the world championships. Uh, American fans take notice. Ariana <laughs> Kittness is older right now. This has been kind of an ongoing narrative about whether Katie Ledecky will swim another best time in one of her best events, which often means break the world record. So Ariana Titmus is older than Katie Ledecky was when she broke that 1500 free world record in Indianapolis in 2018. So it's possible. That's really interesting. Also, Katie Ledecky can go a best time and not break a world record now in the foreign free. That has not happened. Dean Boxel flipping out on the, on the sidelines. We, we, need <laughs> Dean, we need Dean everywhere. Just on every, every pool deck, just flipping out with his hair frizzing out and that's what we need. Nesty, I'd love to see a, step I'd, it up. I'd love to see an Anthony Nesty Dean Boxel like arm wrestling match or something. Right. I think that would be amazing to watch. Truly opposite ends of the spectrum. That'd be sweet. Right. Um, that wasn't even the only world record at Aussie Trials, right? No. Zach Stubbley Cook, 205.95, the first man ever to break 206 in the 200 breast. Um, I, he, he said he thought he could go faster, right. Especially as his top end or front end speed develops. Uh, what do you guys see as his race strategy at worlds? Do you think he's going to stick to this back half or do you think he might, he might, uh, go out like a madman and, and play around with a it a little, especially having prelims, semis and finals in Budapest. I, I I bet we'll see him get aggressive in semifinals. I think it's sometimes as you see confidence rise, you see swimmers more willing to go after that front half more aggressively. Um, you know, if he if he means what he says and he felt good at the end of that race, why wouldn't he try it? I, I, it makes sense to try it and then evaluate it and, and decide what he's going to do for finals. Um, I, I think the 200 breast is such a different race than the 100 breast. I don't... I don't, it, the 200 breast feels to me as though it's a race that we understand as a, as a human mass of swimmers less than most other races, um, just cause it's so different than the hundred breast. Uh, and it's, you know, it doesn't seem to be a zero sum game. Uh, Adam Petey is so good at the hundred and there's no logical reason why you shouldn't be better at the 200, but he isn't. 
Um, so just, you know, kind of the, the way the, the leg strength and the leg fatigue works, I, I think we're just sort of at the tip of the iceberg here. Um, and, and who knows, maybe he's the guy that's going to change the paradigms and help us understand things a little better. Certainly everybody should be learning from him if he's the world record holder. Uh, but you know, I also, I also don't know about changing something when you got something good going, maybe change that after the world championships, not before the world championships. I mean, I feel like almost ZSC in his 200 breast is like specializing as PD is doing in the 100 breast. Because I mean, because Stubbity Cook's 100 breast time at trials at these Aus champions uh, championships, it was only 59.60, which, okay, is fast. But it's not like Arno Kaminga who's doing, you know, he can do like a 208-ish, 207-ish. And then also, you know, like he went uh, sub 58. So I do feel like like ZSC is really hyper-focusing on the 200 breast. And then the 100 breast is almost just helping the front end of his 200 breasts as opposed to being like an individual event for him. But what I think is so freaking scary is that Stubbity Cook could add basically two seconds and still kind of be in the mix, you know, with the rest of the world. He could be like a 207.9. And that's kind of what the rest of the world is doing right now in the 200 breast. Yeah, it's crazy how fast the top end of the world has gotten in that event. And then and then how much faster he is than that top yes. end now, right? But Gosh, I know. Brayden, as like you were saying with the with the paradigm shift of this event, when I talk to Joseph, I think it's Noish. It's his last name is N-A-G-Y, right? He's a, he's a very famous breaststroke coach. He was coaching Cordes for a while. He's coached a lot of r- good athletes, but he was like, we should be 204 in the 200 breast. You know, that's what he thought. And I know he's a little radical and he's kind of out there, but it's like, it, it does seem like an event where the potential hasn't really been realized yet, right? If, if you have someone who can hold 31 nines, like we should be you know, much faster than, than what a lot of people have done so far. So it's interesting to see that develop. I've heard other people say that before. And I think, I think if, if you're the Australian brain trust and you want to see a 204 out of, uh, Zach, I think you need to work really hard to find another hundred breaststroker because right now he's trying to pull double duty. Um, and his hundred just, it's not a, it's not really at the level yet that Australia needs to win gold medals in that event anyway. So they need to be working hard to figure out who else they can put on that leg and just let him go after this. That's a great point. He, yeah. He's as Loretta said, you know, if he's going to specialize, if he's going to get the project immortal for the 200, he's got to do that <laughs> and, and not really focus on the hundred as much. Just more great things from Australian Childs. Yes. The women's freestyle depth was just put put America to shame. Let's compare it that way, right? I mean, uh, Titmus said it in her post race interview. We had a lot of salty American commenters uh, having all sort of takes on that. But you know, eighth place in the women's two hundred free would have been second at our trials, which was just insane. They had eight women go under 157 in a single heat. Um, Also on the sprint side of things, they had uh, two women go under 53. They had four women under 54, I believe. Um, They they really look good. One one person I want to focus on there is uh, Shana Jack, who... 23-9 23-9 in the 50. She was one of those two women under 53 in the 100. 
with that kind of a performance and with Emma McKeon out of worlds, this kind of brings up like she could win four plus medals. She could uh, potentially four plus gold medals at worlds. What does that do for her legacy after, you know, obviously serving as to your doping ban and then coming back under, <laughs> under uh, coach Dean Boxel, who we all know his pedigree at this point. Well, you know, on the one hand, every her legacy is going to be the same as every other swimmer who has ever been convicted of or not convicted is not the right word, but uh, who has ever had a positive test. Right? Positive, yeah. <laughs> it's going to um, it's it, her home country will love her more and more and and forgive her more and more the more medals she wins and the rest of the world will hate her more and more unless she becomes back as a. 37 year old doing things older than we've ever done it. Then all of a sudden everybody forgives her because that's just the cycle we see over and over again. Um, you know, we have to remember that when Shayna Jack was 16, 17, she was the next Kate Campbell. She was the next Wunderkind in, in Australian swimming. Um, you know, given if, if we believe in the process and the process found that she didn't dope intentionally. And that's, that's kind of always been my perspective is, the process is what the process is. We know it's not perfect, but we also don't know enough to know when it works and when it fails. And so if we're going to trust in the process that says she didn't intentionally dope, then it's good to see that the two-year suspension didn't derail her potential in her career because she was always going to be a great swimmer. Um, and, and as a fan, you hate to see a great swimmer's career derailed by something like that. Um, but, you know, it's <laughs> the legacy question is just such a complicated question because it 100 percent depends on your perspective. It's it's and again, it reiterates that international sport is about nationalism. It's about rooting for my country over your country, tribalism, all these things that we like to pretend that it's not about. It is what it's always about. Um, and if she comes back and like wins a bunch of gold medals in Paris, she will be a cult hero in swimming Australia forever. Kind of, kind of like maybe a Rick DeMond is here, you know, people still, you know, love, Rick DeMond is everybody's favorite swimmer because he got screwed by doping protocols at the Olympics. Right. It's like, not because he was a great swimmer, it's because he got screwed. People almost like him better for it. Well, I mean, Shana's original ban was four years. It got reduced to two years. So like you said, there was some culpability like lifted from her um, and, and she paid her dues. She, she served her ban and, and she hasn't tested positive since. I mean, and she's obviously in the doping yeah. you know, protocol. So she's tested she's twice as often swimmer. now. Yeah, she, she's a legit swimmer just like everybody else. So I feel like you have to, like you said, respect the system and and understand that she's back in the pool and she's back to racing and you got to just keep up with her. <laughs> Good luck. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm excited to see uh, the rest of the world's attempt at that, at keeping up with Shana. Um, certainly the Americans, uh, it's, it's going to be tight competition in Budapest. Uh, and the last narrative that I'd like to focus on from Aussie trials for once swim, swam is not the bad guy. <laughs> I love it. It is not ours or our commenters fault that someone is mad at the media. Uh, the Australian media took it to a whole nother level. They focus on Kyle Chalmers past and now Cody Simpson's present relationship with Emma McKeon. 
as a as a as a narrative of why Kyle Chalmers perhaps took a spot on the world's team uh, and took that spot away from Cody Simpson. But you can read all about that. <laughs> I, my, my question is: uh, Cody made his first senior international team. Huge props to him. Uh, he was third in the hundred fly, fifty-one-seven. He is now going to Commonwealth Games for Australia. What do you think his ceiling is there? Um, especially because we've we've just seen this huge ascent for him in the last two years. No, we're talking about the drama, Coleman. We're not going to glaze <laughs> over the drama. I love this drama. It's to me, this is one of those things that swimming struggles with so much as a sport and keeps keeps us from developing is that people get mad over this. They don't embrace the entertainment value. You know, it's just like this podcast. um, And and some swimmers get mad about what we say on this podcast. And instead of embracing the entertainment value um, of sport, like people don't love sport as much as we like to lie about it, people don't love sport because it teaches our children values and gives us role models to look up to. It's entertainment. It is what it is. It's entertainment. <clears throat> Call it what it is. And I think this whole thing is entertaining. This whole Kyle just is going to worlds despite Cody Simpson thing. If it's true or not, almost doesn't matter for its entertainment value. Either way is sort of entertaining in its own special manner. Um, so I love that part of it. Uh, I love Cody. And, and I would think of all people, Cody Simpson would understand that part of it. And Kyle should too. He's a pretty high profile guy in Australia. Um, but, you know, I think it's great that Cody made the Commonwealth Games team. I almost think it's better that he's taking that intermediate step so that people don't look around and say, oh, look how easy that was. You, you know, he was a pop star two years ago and now he's on the Australian World Championship team, which everybody will conflate with the Australian Olympic team. Um, you know, I think I think this drama sort of refocused on how good Kyle Chalmers is, how hard it is to crack on the team. So I think there's a lot of good that comes out of this. It'll be good experience for Cody, and he's going to have a lot more opportunities to make world's teams between now and the Olympics because we're having about 17 world championships in the next two <laughs> years. Um, so it's it, you know lo- a little lower pressure maybe at the Commonwealth Games. He'll be competing against a a set of countries with much more pro Cody Simpson fan bases too, which is great for him. You know, he's probably much bigger in the UK than he is in Budapest. Um, So it's, I I think this couldn't have played out any better for the sport of swimming for swimming Australia or for either of those guys. I loved how after his race, Chalmers basically said like to the Australian media, he's like, don't paint me as the villain. You know, Cody was third. You know, so he really had every right to go ahead and clinch that spot. So I do feel like, you know, when you look at just the swimming basics of it, it's it's the top two. It's not the top three for world. So he didn't steal anybody's spot. He earned it. And yeah, people can make change their minds about what meet they're going to go to and what meet they're not going to go to. You know, I do think it was interesting. And whether it was a mental health break, you know, as you said, but he didn't go to the team announcement. This is Chalmers didn't go to the um, official Australian team announcement. So was that some kind of dig at the media? Was it some kind of dig at swimming Australia? You know, who knows? But that's kind of extra drama that we love to read about. <laughs> it reminds me a little bit of the um, the American system of uh, of intentionally um, scratching races at college dual meets to keep the, the score competitive. 
Like mm-hmm. that's not sports. Sports is Kyle <laughs> Chalmers finished second. So it's his spot. Let him have his spot. Don't make yeah. him the bad guy. We all love Cody. We all want to see Cody do well, but we also love Kyle. We want to see Kyle do well. They, they've got to settle it in the pool. It's not, it's not <laughs> our job to settle it by arguing over what Kyle should have done. It's Cody's job to go out and beat Kyle. And he knows yeah. that. Cody knows that, you know, I think those two guys, I don't know if they're going to get in the same room because we don't know what their relationship is really like, but I think both of them in their hearts know and understand the situation. I don't think either holds bad feelings about it. And you could see how excited Cody was just to, just to make a team, right? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. World champs, commonwealth, whatever. Could be, could not be. Uh, so Australian trials, great meet. We also had the first stop of the Marinostrum tour this weekend in Monaco. We had a few light highlights there. Speaking of drama on this very podcast, Braden, you had <laughs> predicted one thing and another thing happened. <laughs> what did you think of that drama? Good for Bruno. So the, this is in reference to we said we didn't th- or I said I didn't think that Bruno was going to get back down to 21-4 at the World Championships, which still hasn't happened. But he did go 21-4 at, at Mari Nostrum. <laughs> um, so, you know, he's, he's clearly still got a 21-4 in him. Um, I, you know, I would love to see another 21-4 at the World Championships because the more 21-4s we get, the better, the more exciting the race is. So go Bruno. I was going to say my main takeaway from the fifties, because also it wasn't just for, it wasn't just Bruno. It was also Tom DeBoer also almost beat his Dutch record. He's 30 years old. We saw Santos from Brazil put up another awesome time in the 50 fly. Okay. 22, eight at what is he? 52, to, whatever he is. So of, <laughs> yeah, but that's awesome. 70 because, years old. Yeah, <laughs> because it, to me, it means that the fifties should be added to the Olympics because it means that it could, prolong these people's careers that much longer that they're throwing down these awesome times that are world-class Olympic medal worthy, yet they cannot swim the 55 at the Olympics. Well, but like, uh, who does that benefit? You know, obviously me, it benefits me. the old guys, but it does that benefit me. the sport? It benefits <laughs> fans. Fans want to see fast racing. There's nothing faster than a 50. I continue to be fascinated by how much fans prefer I don't want to say old guys because a lot of them are <laughs> still younger than, than some of us on this podcast, but people just really love older swimmers that will do it well. And I just, I think it's so fascinating. They're more relatable to the common folk who are yeah. over 30. <laughs> yeah. I, I relate to Nick, Nick Santos a ton. I mean, just look at his my abs. And, yeah, exactly. <laughs> So aside from old people sprinting down the pool for one lap, uh, Braden, what was your favorite part of the Marinostrum tour in Monaco? Uh, you know, I think uh, Lydia Jacoby bouncing back after missing the world championship team um, was really exciting for the U S for her. I think she won a best time in the 200 breast. Um, yes. Did she go? Did she, was she faster in the hundred than she was at trials? She was like a 10th off. She was 106.2. So I think that's really exciting because I think, I think of anybody on the U S Olympic team, she sort of had maybe the, the probably the strangest post Olympic journey in the sense that she goes from being the star kind of a star among stars in some ways. And she goes back to Seward, Alaska. And I know that that's part of her story, 
But going back to a not just a small town, but a small town that is a long way from the next closest small town that's a long way from anywhere that anybody's heard of, you know, like that's got to be so difficult mentally and emotionally to deal with. Um, so, you know, it, it's it feels very much like Lydia Jacoby is sort of biding her time until she gets to Austin and at the University of Texas and writes her next chapter. But it's it's good to see that she's able to bounce back um, from the disappointment of missing the team at trials and, and show that she's still growing. She hasn't flamed out. She just had a bad meet. Loretta. Okay meet. It wasn't even a bad meet. It was just an okay meet. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Loretta, Monaco, highlight. Give it to me. Okay. I'm, I'm pointing to South, uh, South Africa's Matt States because for me, this kid improves virtually every time that he swims. So he put down a 412, 400 IM, a 157, 200 IM, both best times. He was a 146 high, I think, two free. So yeah, so he swims multiple events. He's very threatening in each of those events. So he's definitely someone that I'm keeping my eye on for world championships. I think is going to upset some people. How much money did he make in his first pro meet? That's a good question. Anybody do the math? Okay, no. uh-uh. We'll do the math later. We'll talk to Barry. We will. <laughs> Maybe we'll get full Mari Nostrum results and then we can do the math. Yeah. yeah, but winning, dude, winning four events in your pro debut, like two months after your NCAA <laughs> debut, it's like, yeah. oof, dang. Yeah. yeah, this kid can do no wrong. <laughs> yeah. uh, so that's our news for this week. And now it's time to play our favorite game on the Swim Swim Breakdown Sink or swim first up today on sink or swim big news in the ncaa michigan all-american patrick callen announced that he will be taking his fifth year to cal uh with cal losing a lot of seniors and fifth year seniors after this season when they did win the ncaa championship i am curious if you think they can retain that ncaa title over texas next year Sink or swim, Cal will defend their NCAA title in 2023. I'm going to swim it. This this Patrick Cal thing has been kind of a wild journey. You know, he stepped up and and defended his team when Jake Mitchell, his fellow Olympian, decided to transfer to Florida. Um, said, you know, if you don't want to do the training, you shouldn't be here. Blah blah blah. And then he decided to move anyway, even after Mike bottom got a five-year extension. Um, and you know, some of, some of the speculation was that Patrick Callen was entering the transfer portal so that he could transfer if he didn't like Mike bottoms replacement, if that was the way that Michigan decided to go, but Michigan gave Mike bottom a huge boost of confidence with a five-year contract extension. Um, and so Patrick Callen transferred anyway, uh, in, in, we can only read read between the lines with that so much, but I, you know, I find that fascinating, but from a Cal perspective, um, they graduate depending, you know, we don't know who's coming back for fifth years yet. And um, I think Cal did a, a lot better with fifth years this year than Texas did. Um, so that's kind of Texas big, had any, or I think Alvin was their only fifth year. And I think Cameron Achinachi was kind of, oh, fifth year. right. Yeah. He, yeah. he was a fifth year. Um, yes. Yeah, there was some wrinkle because he only swam. He didn't swim much for Denver in his fourth year, but regardless. Um, So, you know, Cal could return more, uh, you know, Texas should return a higher percentage of their points than Cal um, does. 
Texas is getting a couple of divers in one that's pretty good. None that are going to, you know, you know, depending on development because divers develop differently than swimming, but none that are, are going to be the best in the NCAA the moment they step on campus. Um, you know, at least one of them will probably score points at NCAAs. So Texas diving will come back a little, but you know, Patrick Callen, it's interesting. We talked about previously, um, how he's never hit his best times at NCAAs. And so he hasn't really been a huge NCAA scoring force for Michigan in the past. And if there's one thing that Cal does as well or better than anybody in the country, it's hitting their best times at NCAAs. Uh, they, you know, when we do the, the time, the point drop analysis, Cal is always at the top of the list. So that's almost definitely going to change for him. Um, and I think it's going to be, fun to see what his high watermark of an NCAA impact will be with Cal, but you know, it could be enough to swing, to swing the meat. You know, he's, he's got, he's really got two events where he's a, 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 a top five kind of contender, I think, if I'm, unless I'm forgetting something. Um, but you know, he could be a 30 plus point guy and that could be enough to swing this meet. Um, so with him, I'm going to swim Cal defending as champions. I'm swimming it only because it's more drama. And we just talked about how drama is good for the sport. So <laughs> I, like it. I, like it. I am sinking it. I, I think Cal's losing a lot. I think Kibler and Krieger are really the only ones, Texas, they might come back. We still don't know what their status is, but they might do fifth years. Um, but even if they don't that, well, if they don't, it's going to be a lot harder of a road for Texas to get the title back. But, um, I think they have a lot of young talent that they can develop. Um, I think the pendulum just might swing back in their favor because of that. Um, but I think it, it, it might be closer next year than it was this year, which I would obviously love think to see it's, for drama. It gets tougher. It gets tougher and tougher for Texas. Um, you know, Eddie Reese, most successful, at least American coach in history, probably of any nationality, but he looked tired at NCAAs. And at some point you got to think that having, um, Wyatt, who's, who seems to be carrying the torch well, but not having a full speed second coach could catch up to them on some of that talent development, just from a coach to athlete ratio perspective. I mean, yeah, I, th I think it's, it's just for recruiting, right? I mean, it's like, how can you say come swim for Texas when it's like, I don't actually know how long he's going to be the head coach um, because, mm -hmm. because of his age, right? And the other part about that is that on the flip side, we don't know who the Cal assistant is yet, <laughs> right? And so it's like each team has one consistent coach right now. <laughs> uh, and the other one is, is a little bit more in limbo, but I do think that affects Texas Sis recruiting ability. Um, and so eh, eh, eh. it's hard, but <laughs> fast people still keep going there, which honestly baffles me. <laughs> like how the fastest kids just keep showing up at Texas. And it's like, really with like, with an 84 year old Eddie Reese, it's like, it's, Good for him. And you man. might not go to NCAAs. You might qualify and be left home. <laughs> Seriously. And they still keep getting them. All right. Uh, back to Aussie trials. Kaylee McEwen, 431 in the 400 IM. And personally, I think that she will swim it at world championships. What do you think? Sink or swim? Kaylee McEwen shows up in Budapest 
and swims the 400 IM? I'm, I think she's definitely going to swim it at the Commonwealth games. Um, at the world championships, I, if I'm her, I'm looking at that and I'm saying the only thing between me and a gold medal is a 15 year old Canadian who's unproven on the international stage and did that time at a, a small meet with no pressure and no cameras. I really like my chances at a world championship and it's got to be hard to pass up a world championship opportunity like that. And there's really not a lot of swimmers floating around that could even challenge her for silver. Um, so, you know, from the perspective of, of us in the media who look at sort of medal tallies, to me, this seems like a, a high confidence interval medal. Um, swimmers obviously have their own criteria for, for choosing races. So <laughs> she's going to choose based on how she's, I, you know, she's probably going to choose based on how she's feeling when she gets there, when she starts swimming if she feels good maybe she'll go for it um i think she'll do it because why if not now then when i'm swimming it that she's gonna she's gonna race it at world championships i said on our previous podcast that this is almost like a freebie world championships because it's inserted so it's kind of like what why not you know totally go for it i i would she's 431 i thought it was funny the australian media was like fastest time in the world i'm like there was a 429 by a 15 year old that was kind of left off your list there Oh, but nevertheless, it was still a phenomenal swim. And I think she's going to swim it in Budapest. And she's got a little more experience under her belt now than, you know, we, we sometimes see her and other swimmers like her who are so good, so young are kind of their coaches take it easy at their first meet. They're a little careful about what races they do, not wanting to overextend them. But, you know, now she's a little older. She's got some confidence behind her. She, has the guns. A, she does the guns after the race. So she's, you know, she's got that going for her. Awesome. She has a new coach now. So maybe, maybe Boldy has a f- different philosophy on it as well, but I think it's at the end of the meet, which another reason why it's like, dude, why not? Um, I don't know <laughs> if it conflicts with anything with uh, any of the backstrokes, but I would, I want to see it, but I don't think it's going to happen. I hope I'm wrong. Uh, in Loughborough, where I am at this very moment, is also Katie Duluth, uh, previously of Michigan, previously of Team Elite, of the Tokyo Frog Kings, uh, previously <laughs> at uh, Virginia Postgrad. She is now in Loughborough. Um, she followed her her boyfriend, Felix Albach, here, and she has made it clear that she intends to go to the 2024 Olympic Trials and hopefully to the Paris Olympics um, here in Loughborough, uh, do you think that we'll see her qualify for an international team for the U S between now and those 2024 Olympic trials? I'm swimming that absolutely. You know, Loughborough has been hot and, and they haven't done it with an American yet. So we don't know. That's a little bit of a different cultural kind of swing, but they've done it with swimmers who have come from the American collegiate system. Um, but you know, lots of swimmers have been doing this, uh, since Rio and it's been working out really well, whatever kind of scheme they've built there, they've got lots of different groups and Coleman's, uh, videos are going to get into all of that. I'm sure, but there's no reason to count against them at this point. Um, and frankly, for that matter, who is, who is standing in her, in her way? I think she would have made the team this year if she had raced. Um, I think she'll make the team next year if she races, she doesn't have to go best times with where the U S is right now in the, the hundred free, especially she doesn't have to go best times to make the team. 
And with that, the momentum of that training group, um, there's no reason to believe she can't get close enough to her best times to make the team. So I absolutely think she will. I will swim this more adamantly than I have swum anything else in the <laughs> podcast. I'm swimming that only because it, it's sometimes it's great to have a good hard reset and just a change of scenery, a change of environment, change of coaches. It reinvigorates you. So I feel like Braden said she would have made the team already. But I feel like it, it's only going to just, again, being with her boyfriend is going to just fuel, like kind of just reignite that spark in her. Uh, so I, I really think it's a positive move all around. So swimming it. I'm swimming it as well. I'll jump on the bandwagon. <laughs> um, I've, I've, I've seen what they're doing in training the last couple of days. It's been kind of cool how Loughborough seems to be much more of a professional training environment. They have a million pound <clears throat> camera setup. That's money, not weight. I got confused by that. One. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, essentially a million plus dollar camera setup. Um, things are very technical uh, and the group, the training groups are small, right? So she's getting a lot more individual attention than she probably would have um, in a pro group at any college in the United States. And so uh, it bodes well for that person, for that athlete who has, is, is transitioning into their professional career. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm swimming it as well. I think we'll see her have success here. And last but not least, speaking of Olympic trials, those cuts for the 2024 Olympic trials in Indianapolis were just released. The question is, do you think that the cuts are way too fast, just as fast as they need to be, or way too soft? Let's, let's cut them even more. Uh, I think they're about right. I, you know, the, the goal for 2020, which became 2021 was 1200 to 1400 swimmers. We wound up with, I want to say something like 700 or 750 at the wave two meet. And I got to say, it was nice. Um, it, it allowed the event to be more than just swim, meet, swim, meet, swim, meet, swim, meet. It allowed the, the prelim sessions to be short enough that, you could do other things in Omaha besides just swim meet, swim meet, swim meet. Uh, the the prelim sessions had a much better pacing to them um, while still providing some excitement about who was going to get in, who wasn't going to get in. So I think these, these standards will probably put them at about 1,200. I'm a little nervous that if the goal is to fill 30,000-plus seats in Indianapolis um, – the, the sort of, I, I hate to call it the cheater's way, but the cheater's way to do that is to put another thousand swimmers in the meet. And if those people each bring three <laughs> friends or family with them, that's another 3000 spectators. And I think that's sort of the easy way to fill a 30,000 seat stadium. Um, but I know Tim Hinchy has experience with filling big stadiums and other sports. So he must believe he can do it other ways. So good for them. I hope he's right because I think 30,000 plus to watch 1200 swimmers would be thrilling. I mean, I think they're just right as well. I was just looking at the graphic that we published that had, you know, the percentage increase, the percentage difference between, you know, the past trials and this trials. And they're about half or half a percent to like a percent and a half, you know, quicker basically. And I think if you aggregated everyone's times and kind of got the average, I would say that's probably as a herd what the times have, have gotten quicker by. So <clears throat> I think it's just keeping up with the time, so to speak. So I, I think they're fair. 
I don't like him, <laughs> but that's because <laughs> I don't like the, I just don't like the format. I really liked wave one and wave two because that gave more people the opportunity to race at Olympic trials in the Olympic trials pool. I realize probably can't do that now because we can't rent out two separate weekends or weeks, two separate time dates to have a wave one meet at Lucas oil stadium, right? That's probably hugely <laughs> expensive. USA swimming doesn't want to do that. I really liked that. So many people got that opportunity. And then like Braden said, wave two was the right side. It was finally the right size meet where you could have a prelims finals at an elite level. Um, so I think they should be slower because I, I liked the two wave format. Um, but I, I understand why that's probably not the case I this time. I'd like to see them and I understand why they cannot do it, but I'd like to see them make some standards faster at a rate higher than others. What I'm trying to say is I'd like to see them cut the fields of the 800, 1500, 400 IM, 400 free. And I know people are going to say, oh, it's not fair to distance swimmers, but this is a selection meet. This is an Olympic selection meet. Um, and I, I just, I continue to feel like the distance events go deep to a point of swimmers who aren't actually going to get selected. And again, you could, you could get more total swimmers into the meet without disrupting the pacing. People don't even show up for finals of the distance races at trials. It's kind of, it kind of sucks to watch, but like we couldn't give away tickets to, to those sessions. We tried, we had a lot of them. I still have them all sitting on my desk. <laughs> um, so, you know, again, it's, it's, weighing its value as an entertainment product versus as a developmental product. And they still value it as a developmental product. And that's why they do it. But I agree. Like on the flip side, I would have an easy time justifying saying that they're too slow because I like what, you know, we published the article of like, who's the lowest seed who's ever made the Olympic team. And it was like 30 something, right? Like 34th right. or seventh. And, it's and that like, was a while ago. Right. And, and it's know, like, even that doesn't happen anymore. Yeah. It's like, have the cuts be like top 50, you know, like 50 people per event, have it like a truly elite meet because it, like you said, it is the Olympic selection meet and that makes it, you know, I don't know. I feel like that makes it really like a prestige event to be at, you know, but um, you can accomplish that big or make it, you small. can accomplish that. You can accomplish both of those things at the same time. And they sort of accidentally did 50s. it in 2021. By adding fifties. Um, <laughs> by adding a wave one meet, I, which I love. I love. I yo with fifties. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Perfect. Um, yeah, I agree. I, I liked I liked the two waves two wave format, but we're just getting big time with the football stadium. Anyway, that's the swim swim <laughs> breakdown. <laughs> Thanks for tuning in. Tune in every week for your week's news in swimming.